Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. We're back with your favorite podcast, Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. So, uh, Luca Nation, let's ring in the the end of 2021. And a lot of you guys will be listening. This will be uh, early 2022. Uh, and before I introduce my guest, who's is, uh, you know esteemed, respected, a lot of people have asked about him. I just got to say thank you all. You know, uh, this year has been one of the best years of my life. And sure, there's been money made, but really, it's nice to wake up every morning and have purpose, have a community, have these internet friends and real life friends that you know we interact with and share a lot of passions with. Uh, so I just got to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys. I know there's so much content out there. There's so many different places and, and shows that you could listen to. The fact that you tune in and support us, just know it doesn't go unnoticed. And as we head into 2022, uh, we're going to give 100% to make sure that we give back to our community as much as you guys give to us. So thank you. Hope you have an amazing new year. Hope you're all safe, healthy, happy. Uh, without that, further ado. I let you get a minute in without stepping on your toes. Now I steal the next minute. <laughs> guys, keep telling us what you want to hear. Right. That's the, that's they want to hear more motto. jokes from you, Cage. They do. They, everybody does. 2022 is going to be it's going to be about what you want to hear. Right. Because uh, without without saying it any other way, it has worked for us. You know, you guys give us suggestions. We work them into the equation. We bring on people you want to bring on. Our guest today is a perfect example of that. But we want 2022 not to be about what where we want to go with the podcast. We want to know where you want to go with it. We want to know what you want to hear about, what you want to learn about. Um, and if our numbers indicate anything, I mean, every day we're setting a new record of listens. Every day we got more people watching on our YouTube channel. So thank you guys because, you know, 2021, you have told people about us. You have shared us with your friends, your neighbors, and your enemies, as I like to say. And we continue to grow as a lot of people are not growing in the hobby. Um, a lot of people are feeling a little, you know, a, a little constriction in the hobby. We are not. Our numbers continue to go up and, and we have you to thank for that. And we understand that the way for that to continue is by listening to you and hearing what you want. And for the most part, for the last month, what you've asked us to do is talk to collectors more. We do a great job of bringing in people who are going to shape the hobby from the top down. We had a great conversation with Josh Luber, and I know, I feel like the, the hobby's in good hands if he can deliver one out of ten things we talked about, right? I, I love talking to Ken Gold, and we love talking to Gary Vee, we love talking to all these people, but what you guys want to hear is, what are the collectors doing? You know, how are they braving this brave new world here? You know, what are they doing with their collections? Are they selling? Are they moving? Are they buying more? And today's guest, Andrew, go ahead and introduce him as a perfect example of exactly that. So. They're building they're building backdrops. And I would say Jake's <laughs> Jake's backdrop rivals uh, Josh Luber. So, guys, this is someone we've interacted with from afar uh, a little bit. I'm excited to get to know him. So I'll make the introduction. More than likely you follow him, but for the one, two people that don't, uh, 90s underscore b-ball underscore cards you guys that, that's kindred spirit i grew up in the 90s so just a little bit offline jake we want to welcome you to the show but you're an orlando magic fan you're a penny hardaway shack fan talk to us about that origin story because you're from massachusetts right and new england is new england proud so introduce yourself share a little bit about kind of you know your show your channel but also let's talk a little bit about 90s basketball and your your, your fandom, your love for Penny and Shaq. For sure. Well, first, I have to thank you for that that intro. I mean, uh, I don't think that's 
I think that's the only time I've ever been compared to Josh Luber in anything. And maybe I have <laughs> a, a rung up on, on him in this one category. So I'll, I'll take that. I'll put that on my LinkedIn tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but you're the so. only one of us that's more handsome than Josh Luber. That's what it is. We'll tell you that. All, All right. right. Well, I don't, I don't have the same, you know, finger jewelry as him. So uh, anyway, <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, yeah. So, so a lot there. Uh, so we'll start with, with my affinity for the magic. Uh, yeah. And it all started in the nineties, uh, growing up, uh, in a little bit of the story, some people that are watching this might've heard it, but I'll, I'll tell it for those who haven't. Uh, so growing up in the nineties, the bulls were it, right. My younger brother was a big bulls fan, big Jordan fan. And, you know, my brother and I are about a year and a half apart in age, a lot of sibling rivalry there. So of course I can't root for the same guy as him. So I'm watching and I see this other guy on the court that's doing really well. His name's Scotty Pippen. Um, and I'm like, okay, I like him. He's not the guy my brother likes, but he's on the same team. So I, I'd like to find somebody else. And then a week later, I'm watching a game. You know, this team in blue is playing, and this guy is playing really well. He looks a lot like the guy I was watching playing red last week. So I'm watching him. I'm like, okay. And then the week later, now we have to go back to the 90s, right? We have standard def TVs, right? We don't have the high def. You can see the sweat dripping down. You could barely make out the numbers on the player's jerseys yep. if you were lucky, right? You have to get really close you know, tap the screen. Um, so seeing who the players were and really identifying them was not as easy uh, then. So so give me a little bit of slack on that. But uh, yeah, so then I'm watching the Bulls play against the Magic and I see who I think is the same player on both teams playing against each other. So I'm like, Dad, what's going on? You know, do I need to go see the doctor? So he explains to me, this is Penny Hardaway, this is Scotty Pippen, yada, yada, yada. So Penny's playing against Jordan, doing really well against him. So I said, that's my guy. Uh, you know, somebody that I can definitely rival my brother with, uh, you know, so we would argue who is better, uh, you know, to the end of time uh, still do, you know, we still argue whether or not Penny's a hall of famer. So, you know, they did me well. And, uh, and I stuck with the magic ever since some good years and a lot of not so good years since then. Listen, Penny, a lot, people a, don't realize, a lot of people don't realize Penny was huge. I mean, Penny was a big deal. He came in on the heels of Shaq. He was a number three pick to Orlando the year after Shaq was drafted. So it was a Shaq and Penny duo, right? And it was a, it was an interesting pick, right? Because it was all about the Fab Five that year. So Chris Webber right. was taken, you know, with the number one pick, and there was a trade. You know, the two of them were traded. It was like a whole to do, right? Um, do you remember who the number two pick was? Sean Bradley. Sean baby. Bradley. Nice. Seven, there six. you go. You know, you know, and, that, and that trade, if we remember, was because of the movie Blue Chips, where Shaq and Penny first met playing pickup and he's he called up i right. think it was uh i think it was brooks was the coach at that point and said hey we gotta get this kid i don't care yep. what it takes and then he from what i heard like threw something at his tv set when he saw that they drafted chris weber um and they said hold on hold on don't sign the papers yet <laughs> but i mean listen weber was a huge name but penny penny got his own shoe deal I mean, those little penny people forget about this. Go, go, YouTube this, guys. A penny was huge. You have a little penny there. I got them. I got two of them. So I mean, it was like it was like a Nike thing, right? It was a little penny, right? And it, you know, like it was, and it would talk, and it was like a whole to do. It was like the Noid who just came back, you know, for Pizza Hut, right? It was this was like '90s stuff. He was in your face. He was on TV. Like like Penny was one of the few NBA stars that had his own shoe with like a legit like backing behind him. I mean, he was a big deal. He was. If yeah. we think about modern players, I like to comp. This is one of the things I do like with the draft. I like to comp players who are new to players that I know from the 90s, right? So if we're thinking about modern players, I like to comp him. Some people, you know, debate, but I, I know in our, our group chat recently, uh, Chris Hoge brought up some of the accolades of Luca. Uh, and for the first three years of their career, Penny and Luca 
are just about identical in a lot of ways. Both number three picks, both draft day trades, a lot of similarities there. First team All NBA in their second season, MVP candidates. You know, the the Magic went to the finals in their in his second season. Uh, you know, so so I think he's got some comparison to Luca. He's got some comparison to the fandom of of Steph Curry. Um, and injuries derailed his career. So um, you know. If you're trying to think of how exciting of a player Penny was, you know, in 94, 95, 96, you're, you're looking at a Luca Steph Curry type of guy. And a very different game, though, too, because you never got very to see the, the scoring of Penny because he, part of what he had to do was pass the ball to Shaq. I mean, Luca and Steph don't have a Shaq inside right. that they have to pass the ball to. So it kind of caps, you know, the scoring uh, Penny was able to do. I mean, it was Absolutely. still Shaq's team. Who, um, who beat them? Who beat them in the finals or second year? Do we have to talk about that? Rockets, right? <laughs> it was the Rockets, yeah. Hakeem, Hakeem? Clyde, yeah, yeah. yeah. In Rockets, another year, could in another year could they have won? Just a different ma- matchup. Did Jordan they have came it? back. Jordan came back, and that really stymied them. And then Shaq left the following season. So Shaq left for ninety six, ninety seven season, which was Penny's fourth season. Um, and a lot of people say if he had stayed, they would have eventually won one. Uh, the Bulls would have always been the the you know the bump that they would have had to get, get over, but I think it would have made the path a lot more difficult for the Bulls, uh, especially in their second three peat. If we think about what Shaq was doing in you know ninety seven ninety eight, um, you know if he was with Penny still and Penny was healthy, that's the other caveat is Penny's health did not his knees did not hold up well. They were a great team. They were a lot of fun. It was I mean it was great for the hobby. You think about like it is the time I remember for the hobby that is that is most like right now. That, mm-hmm. that that early '90s man, because I mean, you can you can talk about LeBron in '03, but like who was '04? You know, who was '05? <laughs> who was '02? Like like that '03 year was amazing, but after that, it was kind of like, Bleh. you mm-hmm. know, now you have the Luca year with Trey followed up by Zion and Ja. Then you got Lamelo and Edwards. This is like a like a legit three year run here, and you had that back then. Think about this: Shaq and Alonzo Mourning with Christian Leitner. So that's the top three picks. Then you had. Uh, um, Penny Weber. and Chris Webber. And, I mean, there were other guys in that draft, too, but th- let's just st- stick with those two, right? And then the year after that, the top three picks were Grant Hill, Jason Kidd, and Glenn Robinson. Senior. Big dog. <laughs> but but Kidd, Kidd, you know, Kidd and, 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 and Grant Hill. Think about that. Three years in a row with, like, two legit legit guys that's what you need to get the hobby going that's what, then that's after what, that you had kg and jerry stackhouse and Mighty House, and then you had yeah 96 with iverson and kobe and the 97 with duncan he was huge keith van yep. horn was a bit yeah you had a long run. chauncey billups chauncey billups the number two pick or number three pick then you had vince carter antoine jameson Michael Oluwakandi. Um, yeah. yeah. You had a long and you can see there. now why he likes 90s basketball. Exactly. Exactly. 90s was the heyday. Like the 80s <clears throat> was when there were still kind of part-time employees, so to speak, with a few of them making big money. But 90s is, is kind of when NBA became a top two, three sport and they were making big money. I'm curious. You guys are drawing those comps. You know, I'll go to Jake and then I'll go to Cage first. It, you're, you're drawing the comps between 90s basketball and now – 2018, 19, 20, 21 NBA draft class. What advice do you have for, you know, someone who entered into the hobby in the last two years and they've bought Lucas, Jaws, Zions, Lamelo, Edwards, and they see, wait, Jason Kidd, Chris Webber, these guys are basically Hall of Famers, perennial all-star, Penny. Any advice you have for someone who just entered into the hobby using that experience? Yeah, you know, so the one thing that I like to try to harp, uh, harp on uh, you know, and, and a principle of uh, of our buddy Gary V is is patience. 
Um, you know, I've been collecting since 95. Uh, you know, and these values that we've been seeing in the last few years are incredible. When I was collecting 95, I didn't expect, you know, a, a, a jambalaya penny to be in my collection, let alone be what it's worth now. Um, you know, so stuff like that is going to ebb and flow over, over time. You know, there was one point in time that the 86 Fleer Jordan rookie was being traded evenly for the 89 Hoops David Robinson rookie, right? You know, things change significantly over, over the course of time. So uh, if you're looking at collecting a player, collect somebody that you're really going to enjoy, like Penny is for me. I mean, the sound investment back then would have been Michael Jordan, would have been Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, Penny is doing me just fine, and I love his stuff. So you can be patient when you really enjoy it. But I think the other thing, too, if you look over the course of history, uh, the things that end up being the most collectible when you look at players – uh, I like to focus on the players is, you know, who's just the most loved, who's got a solid fan base that just likes the the person, likes the player, likes their style, likes their swag, whatever you want to say. Um, you know, if the they have a solid fan base, you know, I think that's going to really drive their collectability. Because if you look at a guy like Penny, his resume is not as lofty as a lot of the guys who he's valued similarly or above in some cases. I'm curious, Cage. Don't don't bite my head off. '90s jambalaya today, kaboom. You know, it, interesting. So I know a little bit off camera. We were talking uh, about SCI and uh, teapots. Who I, I've talked to, Drummond Collector, a lot before before uh, you know Jeff was even making content. Uh, he knows the '90s well. He had a video recently where he was talking about kabooms, comparing them to PMGs, uh, and trying to make some comparisons. Uh, you know, I think the tough thing with Kaboom is you've had that set year after year after year, relatively the same design. And, you know, for Penny, there's only one year of Kaboom for Penny, and I, I want that card. Um, but you've got other players in there who have been there multiple years. You know, you look at LeBron, you know, he's got stuff with the Cavs, he's got stuff with the Lakers. You look at Steph Curry, he's got multiple. So, I don't think that the Kaboom cards, to me anyway, I love the design. I love the look. I don't think that they're going to be as sought after as, as the Jambalaya's just because, you know, there's so many versions. But all fairness, there are multiple years of Jambalaya's, but I don't think anybody considers any of them even close to the first year. Those other ones, you know, were, um, you know, uh, a poor man's version, in my opinion. Agreed. And then also the Jambalayas came out in different sets. Remember, Antifoli was purchased by Upper Deck. Right. They made retro ones and all kinds of stuff like exactly. that. So they kind of, they, they literate. So a couple questions there, right? I want to go back to the advice you give the collectors today based on the 90s and what I think about like the kabooms and that kind of stuff, right? So so I agree with, with, with Jake 100% um, on the kabooms. And, and guys, kabooms could be great. They, they, they could be. If they stop making them right now and never do it again. Right? But what makes PMGs different is that they did it for a very limited amount of time and put numbers on the back of them. So there's a hundred or 150, depending on what sport in the first year, then 50, even if you include the later on one that I have the Jordan of from 2008, 2009, mm. you know, where, where Flair was bought by upper deck and they did kind of that throwback, you know, one, um, even if you include those, there's a couple hundred PMGs. That's it. A couple hundred of each player. Kabooms, there's a couple hundred of each every year, right? And, you know, if you want to narrow it down to maybe tell me that like, the golds, 
are going to be PMGs now that you had a decade of Steph Curry kabooms and Tom Brady kabooms and all these things. The golds this 10 a year, so now you have 100 or 120 of those and compare them. Sure. Okay, maybe I can see that, right? Um, but it's a great carryover into the first question, which is compare now to compare then. The, the problem that people have, and we're going to talk to Jake about collecting and how when someone says, hey, sell me a card, he's, he says, I don't even know where the hell it is. Because he's a collector, not a flipper and a whole deal. We'll talk about a collector in a second, right? But the problem we have now with the hobby is everybody wants to make something now into what something was 20 years ago. You want to compare it so that you have a comp, right? Because that's, that's the way investments work, right? You have a house. What do you need? Well, I'm going to try to find out how much my house is worth. Give me comps in the neighborhood. Give me comps. Get, tell me how much this one recently sold for. Tell me how much this one sold for. All right, we got a draft class coming out. Everybody wants to comp it to a prior draft class. We got this kid coming out of Memphis. Oh, he reminds me of Penny from back, blah, 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 blah. We got this card. Oh, that card is just like this. We got a kaboom. Kaboom is going to be this. And then all of a sudden, everybody pays, pays, pays through and But here's the difference. The 90s stuff, the players and the cards are done. They're capped. You know what the universe is. You know what they're going to do. You know what they did on the court. They're finished. Kabooms now, these other cards now, these color blasts, you name it, they keep making them. And you don't know how many they made to begin with because they're not numbered. So it's very difficult and dangerous to start comparing and say, hey, this kaboom from 2018 of Steph Curry, I'm comparing that in price to the... 1997 PMG of Kevin Garnett, right? There's one of those. We know how many there are. They're not making any more. They're not making one this year, next year. Whereas the Curry Kaboom, there might be a thousand more made in the next couple of years. Who the hell knows, right? Mm -hmm. And while the ones that are made in future years are not going to be as good as the ones made prior, as valuable as the ones made prior, they're still going to satiate the demand for them. The Curry fan doesn't have to trade up to get the one kaboom from 2018. They can go and get the 2022 one when it comes out and pay a little less. And that person as a Curry fan is good. If there was a lesser version of Penny Hardaway's Jambalaya, you might already have it in your collection, right? Because you're a Penny exactly. fan. And maybe mm -hmm. you would trade up and still try to get the other one. But for a while, you'd be okay with that one that you got the lesser one. And here's the other part of it, guys. And, and, and I'm going to take this both ways. It's a good thing and a bad thing, right? So comparing people now to comparing people the way they were. If I listen to Jake talk about the 90s and me go through the draft stuff, if I were an investor in today's cards, I'd be scared. And here's why, right? Because he just talked about a bunch of people. You guys tell, you know thousands of people in the hobby. I, I'm up to 1988 followers. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm like the most influential person. Let's get them in, Let's get them in. 2000. I'm the most influential person in the hobby with no followers. I'm just telling you all that right now. But I just, you know, whatever. I'm new to this Instagram stuff. I'm old man. This is not my stuff. I'm older than both of you by a long shot. Well, you should here, next year make a shiny tree, not like I'll make a shiny. That's what nobody likes. Or, nobody likes my, my tobacco card Christmas tree. It doesn't boring. shine. There's no silver and gold. But so the, the point here is this, right? Think about what was just named. How many of you guys know someone who collects Jason Kidd? I'll, I'll answer for you. You don't know anyone who collects Jason Kidd. Right? And Jason Kidd was awesome. Jason Kidd was the number two pick. He came out of Cal. He was like, he was going to be Magic Johnson. He passed the ball behind his back more than anybody. And he's still relevant now. The dude coaches, you know, you know, he's, he's still around. He's still relevant. Had an awesome career that a lot of people coming out now would trade their stuff for. If you're a Jalen Suggs 
buyer now, and I told you, hey, he's going to have Jason Kidd stats, you'd sign off for it now. But people are paying more for Jason Suggs, uh, for Jalen Suggs, than they pay for Jason Kidd, right? So you have to be mindful of that. Hell, uh, Ken Golden did a break last night, 1996. He was a little drunk, so I'm going to give him a pass. Right, upper deck, but he's opening packs. He's like, I'm only going to pull out the guys who are good. And he looks, oh, okay, look, you got you got an Iverson. Here's a Kobe. He looks at a pack and he's like, ah, this is nobody. And he puts it down. And I'm like, Ken, pick that back up. It's Antoine Walker. You got an Antoine Walker rookie right there on the front of the pack. He's like, it's nobody. Think, think about how awesome he was. Think the Cyber Twan. Remember that commercial with the video? He was, and the home? he was like everything for the Celtics, right? Rick Pitino and loved him. No one buys his shit now. Right. So think about that when you're buying into the rookie classes this year, because the, the, the caution, the cautionary tale is one, not every draft class is going to have a generational talent. That's one. And two, even the ones that do have great talent to turn into great NBA players, that does not mean they're going to be somebody that someone is going to collect down the road. But I said I'd be good news and bad news. OK, Jake brought up an amazing point that I do not want you to miss. And it's when evaluating someone you're going to collect in. Look at their fan base. Because what's the first question I asked? How many people do you know who collected Jason Kidd? Right? There's a lot of people out there who would say they'd much rather have Jason Kidd's career than Penny Hardaway's career. Right? Penny was not healthy. Penny had some flashes of greatness. You know, his numbers don't stack up against Jason Kidd. And several other guys I could probably name, but it's just the one I used. Right? But there are a lot of Penny collectors. Why? Because he has that it, that collectability, the thing that made people collect him, the things that made him have fans. So if I were giving advice to collectors now, it would be don't just find the guy who you think might be the most talented. Yeah, That's great, but it's not enough. You need to have a guy who, for some reason, has that it, that people want, people want to have his cards. A good guy in the last years that, that I've seen turn into this who wasn't this before, and it's not a current collector, but he's playing now. So it's not like a young guy now, but Chris Paul has mm. become this over the last couple of years. If you went back three, four years, nobody collected Chris Paul cards, right? And he's he was awesome. kind of a he's heel. He was kind career. of a heel. He was a little bit like Trey Young. I mean, he was one of those guys, but for some reason, I guess, you know, going over to Suns, now playing this mentor role, you know, taking this team on, people talk about him the way they talk about not Michael Jordan, but the, the way they talk about these 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 revered Greats. players in the mm -hmm. sport, and whether he wins a championship or not, he's now for whatever reason he has earned that spot of collectability. Can I, Shoot, can I jump in? I want to ask Jake because I'm looking at Anf uh, Penny Hardaway's stats here. His stats are, are leave a lot to be desired. Uh, but here he is. He's a Memphis guy. He went to Memphis. He's coaching Memphis. Share with me why do you th what makes Penny so collectible mm. in your opinion? For sure. So real quick, I want to jump on two things that Cage said, and sure. I think we'll be doing a lot of this. But uh, uh, two players. Cage does a lot of things. <laughs> two players I think of from the 90s that we didn't even mention when we we're talking about those draft classes who were multi-time MVPs. One of them won multiple championships. The other one was close. Uh, both of them are relevant in coaching still today, and you don't hear a lot about them. One has some collectors. One has hardly any. Steve Nash, Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan was a big guy when he first came out, but he was boring. People get tired of him putting up triple doubles. Steve Nash was really flashy, but he didn't come on until later in his career. So, I mean, the fandom it can't be understated, in my, in my opinion. Uh, and the other thing, not to throw too much cold water on Kaboom, because I do like the way that they look. 
But when we talk about like the golds or the greens, remember that first year of Kaboom when we had those colors when they were numbered to 10 and numbered to 5, those were in Kaboom packs. Yeah. They weren't getting ripped out. They weren't a case hit. You know, you had to use your Panini points. You had to go online. You had to get them. Like, they weren't easy to get, but they were in packs. You knew you were getting Kabooms. It was just a question of who was the player and was it colored, right? So if you had a Jambalaya pack, you know, yeah. back to that, it, it would be a very different conversation. So, you know, I think those are just things to keep in context. Case hits for Kabooms, but some of them weren't, you know, truly case hits. So... You know, that's uh, that's what I wanted to say. There. No, I mean, it's, it's definitely one of the things that makes it different, right? I mean, there are there are panini packs for these things, right? It's like the white sparkles or the one-on-one white boxes and, you know, all these other crazy things that are out there, right? You, you do have to take that into account when you're looking at the overall, you know, world of these things. Um, that said, I, I, one of the things that I'll throw in and then, Andrew, ask away is, and I, this is a 2022 thing for me. I have spent my collecting career trying to swim upstream like a salmon and i've tried to buck the trend and i don't think it is a wise thing to do in collecting i don't think it's a wise thing to do in investing there's something to be said about um you know looking at what everyone is doing because that is for lack of a better way of saying it's supply and demand right supply and demand is what is what is at the base in this and sure if you like something you want to collect it from a collector standpoint it doesn't matter if you like it you like it but if you're looking at these things for what's going to be the most valuable, I remember back in 2018, I wanted to buy a Michael Jordan rookie. And everybody at the time was spending $24,000 for PSA 10s of Michael Jordan's 1986 Fleer. And I didn't want to do that because, oh, that's an easy card and everybody likes it. And I always liked the star better. So I bought a BGS 8.5 star for like $12,000, right? Which I'm not complaining about, right? That's a great buy. Maybe I paid eight or whatever the hell it was, right? But and I and I picked a really nice one. It's got nine centering. A lot of them don't have it. But I was like, I'm smarter than everybody else. This is a cooler card. This is a rookie. This is the one. This is the one you want to have. There's less of them and blah blah blah. And that card has appreciated. And you know, a, a regular eight five is sells for about thirty thirty five thousand dollars. And maybe this one's forty with a better centering. But it's gone four x, three and a half x from where I bought in. Whereas if I would have just bought the one that everybody else liked, right? If I would have bought the one that there was demand for, it would at least 10x, maybe 12x of my money. So I bring this up, guys, just for a reason, right? I want to get into the collector episode, but keep in mind in the back of your brain, as we talk to Jake about some of the things that collectors do, the collector's mentality, if you're collecting, that's great. If you're buying this stuff for appreciation of value, flipping, you name it, don't miss the forest for the trees like I often do. I like to shit on kabooms, but I know when I shit on kabooms, I'm basically thumbing my nose at the common collector's mentality, which is if you get a kaboom, you, everyone wants it. Because that we can talk about the numbers, we can talk about all the reasons why that shouldn't be. But for whatever reason, the demand for kabooms is there, and the common collector right now may change. Things change all the time. So it, it, it's funny. Us as collectors, we start giving into the narrative of it's not really that rare, or here's the thing and the whole deal. But I think it would be silly to pass up on a kaboom opportunity because of what Jake and I are talking about here. Because that kaboom, for whatever reason, it's what everybody wants right now. So anyway, I, I don't want to take it. Go ahead, Andrew. Jake. Why are uh, collectors and flippers investors at like uh, at, at odds with each other? You know, mm. 
You know, that's a really good question. And I remember, you know, the first year I had my, my channel, uh, a couple months later, Josh, uh, Cardboard Chronicles came out with his, and we did an episode together and we talked then. And at that point, this was 2017, 2018, right? The collecting, the hobby was pretty, it was collectors, right? You didn't hear a lot of investment advice. You didn't hear picks. You didn't hear people even talking about gains and ROI and all that stuff. We talked then in that episode about how we're all kind of a little bit of both. We all have this entrepreneurial spirit as collectors. It's fun to buy a card and see it appreciate. It's fun to sometimes have two of that card and then say, oh, I can now keep one for my collection and I can take that other one and trade it for another addition to my collection. We talked about that stuff then and it was kind of commonplace at that point to talk like that, right? And I think some of the the distasteful uh, connotation that it got was just adding that finance, that Wall Street type of nomenclature to it, you know, talking about flipping, talking about ROI. I think people started to kind of roll their eyes a little bit. And I think that it's also a little bit of uh, kind of a, you know, an older generation, an older guard, get off my lawn type of thing. They were seeing younger people get in and some of it was jealousy or is, right? You know, some people see 18 year olds have million dollar sales on their Instagram story and applaud them and say, congratulations, good job, good for you. You worked hard for that. Other people will see it and, you know, grind their teeth and, you know, get upset. And, you know, that could be me, you know, if I just had more time, if I didn't get married at, you know, 23, you know, whatever. So I, I think a quarter million into my house and just bought Jordan. Well, money. If I was from Massachusetts and decided I would love basketball and buy Michael Jordan <laughs> or Tom Brady instead of nineties basketball cards. Yeah. I hardware yeah. cards. Yeah. yeah believe I, it I or not, they're... Cage, you can buy Tom Brady even from New York City. I'm talking about this guy because he's from Massachusetts and he does <laughs> penny instead of Brady. <laughs> uh, if we could all go back in that time machine, I think about it often. But uh, I would get yeah. the sports almanac. Oh, I would get man. the sports almanac. I you know, take... I sit there and think about all the different cards I would have. Wait a second, Jake. When I was in wait one second. Grade. Do you see Andrew's face? Do you know what that means when I say I'd go back in time and get the sports? He doesn't know what that means. Fuck the sports capacitor. Al- the sports. Al- you, back to the future. Where he goes back. He goes back in time and he gets a sports almanac and brings I, it, brings it back I and he gets my has wife all- watch back to the future the other day she has refused and she was like okay there's some funny things here but i'm still not gonna watch it it's back to the future too man it's a very as a sports better you would love it because he goes back he goes to the future and brings back a sports almanac that has all of the scores of every game for 50 years like the box scores the box score and he goes and he's like i'll bet you a million dollars he says biff gets it that notre dame wins this game 13 to 10 he says did you hear I what he said, old man? Notre Dame's dead. It's never going to happen. And he wins again. You wouldn't get it wrong. Anyway, I so I, wrong. I digress. Fade but me. go ahead. We'd go back. <laughs> we go, we, but, but, uh, sorry, Jake. But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, no, we no. could all go back in time and, and all nine yards. But yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of jealousy of it, right? I think I think that's some of it. I think, I think there are some people also that looked at what was happening with some investment picks. And I mean, I don't know if we want to name names or anything, but like, you know, some people saw what looked like or what may have been proven to be a pump and dump and it started to get that connotation if you're talking about flipping if you're talking about investing you're pumping and dumping so i think you know those things happened very close together and it's hard for people to to pull it back because you know i move cards in my collection not as often as as maybe some think i should um you know to get other cards in my collection i made 
big trades when I was at national to get cards in my collection. And a lot of that was because I went to a booth. I had a box of cards. The dealer wanted to look through. He bought a bunch of them off me. I made money on all of those cards. And then I was able to take that money and you could call that flipping. You could call it whatever you want. Uh, but it got me new cards in my PC. So it, did I invest in those cards? Did I, you know, are we talking about the intent of what that purchase was or, you know, just the, the final outcome? I think it's healthy. I think a, a marketplace needs long-term collectors. I think they need day-to-day short-term speculators. And I think they need investors. I think a more, maybe a more fruitful conversation, Cage and I were having this when it comes to NFTs is, Try to keep that money in the ecosystem. Like, don't, mm. like if, if you're flipping and you're profiting, I, I know people have bills and all that, but try to keep some of it in the ecosystem because like you just said, it's not like you sold, you sold your cards and then you went and you rebought other cards. Right. That in and of itself, that perpetuating cycle is really healthy, I think. Listen, you got a block. You got an old guy living on a block and his lawn looks good. Right, and he takes care of it the way he used to take care of it. Right, he goes out there and he he sows the lawn, he puts seeds on it, his old cedar, and you know he mows it himself. And and maybe on uh, on the block, a couple of landscapers come and move in, right? And they got a new technology for doing it, but they're fast. Maybe they don't love it as much. Maybe they don't love the lawn. Maybe they, you know, they but they get the grass cut and it goes in the whole nine yards. And maybe the landscaper who lives next door to the old guy is like, he's got this new seed, he's got this new stuff, and he, and he he takes care of the old guy's lawn, the old guy's lawn. And the guy's like, get off my lawn, get off my lawn, right? But but it looks better. It looks greener, right? He's using a new tech. He's using the new stuff on that lawn, right? And the old guy realizes, holy shit, maybe I shouldn't have been yelling because if I um, didn't have that landscaper move in and change the way things were done, maybe my LeBron uh, exquisite would still be worth $250,000 instead of a million. And maybe I should stop yelling I, and get off I my lawn. I bumped it to an eight five, so it's worth. Maybe I mean you get the point that I'm trying to make. It's great that we can have collectors, but every once in a while, a collector turns into someone who's selling their card, and maybe they should stop being the get off my lawn guy and say, "Holy cow, we do need all this in the environment because these kids who came in and changed the game a little bit with their new way of doing it, they have caused an amazing amount of value growth in these items that were, I'm not gonna say stagnant." but that we're not moving the way that they've moved in the last couple of years. They've allowed these collectors to get in and out of their cards, to change their collections and buy into cards that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to get into because of it. Right. Mm-hmm. It is a symbiosis, right? I mean, and maybe it's bad. Maybe venom comes with its own you know, problems. You know, maybe you don't want to have to, you know, kill people and eat their livers, but it also comes with some great strength. Then you Jake, get where I'm going with it. Can I ask I mean, you something? Oh, go ahead. We've all been to shows and we've seen the you know the old guy sitting there still pricing his stuff out with a Beckett. Yep. I love Beckett magazines. I use them for research. I use them to price all my cards in the '90s. But the world is different, you know. And in, you know we might deal with this with you know modern day you know social issues with people in our family uh, that you know people want to resist change. The fact of the matter is the world doesn't rely on Beckett prices. So if I go to their table and they've got a card priced at $5 and I know on eBay, I can move that for 30. Why am I not going to grab that? Why am I not going to take advantage of that? And maybe it's a card that I want in my PC, excuse me. And I don't want to have to pay $30 to get it, but now I got it for $5. Maybe I'm not going to sell it and get that $25, but I got it in my PC for less. You know, it's advantageous for me, but that person that is sitting there and saying, no, I'm going to do it the way I've done it is missing the boat and you know 
it's it's their it's their loss at the end of the day, and somebody else is gonna you know benefit from it. You know what? I, I got a question for you, Jake, and I'll let Andrew take it over, and I'll mute myself for a second. You know, those that make you can also break you. That's Mr. Rhythm's good advice. It only costs you a quarter. Now, if anybody knows what movie that's from, please send me a DM, right? Because I'd be very impressed, right? But those that do you know what it's from, Jake? I don't off the top oh, of my head. There's no way. Very, this is, very, it's very an familiar. obscure, it's an obscure movie. But it's those that make you can also break you. It's Mr. Rhythm's good advice. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna explain what I mean by that. The collectors now, and I'm not gonna single out any specific person more than I already did, um, but there are collectors out there who have made a lot of money selling some of their high-end pieces and sure they're now collecting they're taking that money putting it back into the ecosystem buying other things but i'm here to make the argument that the reason that they were able to have i'm not going to call it windfalls but the reason they were able to have the fiscal wins over the last couple of years that they've had whether it's through their businesses growing content like us you know whether it's whether it's in a startup whether it's in a data platform whether it's in any of these things or if it's just in their card values going up 10, 20, 30, 40, 50x in the last two years when they were going up 30% a year if they were lucky previously. The people that made them are the new people coming into the hobby. Mm. The people who made that happen are the flippers. The people who made them are the ones that came in and boosted their prices up because they're the ones that turned a Zion base card into a $1,000 card. They're the ones that turned a Luca base card into $2,000. And if a Luca base card is $2,000, then a Luca silver is seven. And if a Luca silver is seven, then a Luca blue is 50. If a Luca blue is 50, then a Jordan rookie's gotta be $250,000, $300,000. And your exquisite LeBrons and your LeBron chromes and all these things, they have to keep going up, right? So it, it is one of these cycles Right, because all these people coming in and churning and flipping and doing the stuff they did that wasn't there five years ago, it has an impact moving up what I like to call the card pyramid. Right, and the collectors, because they've been in it long enough, because they have those sought after cards that are now going to be sought after by way more people, they got pushed up to the top of the pyramid not because they were wealthy, not because they were Jeff Bezos, but just because they were here. They were smart, nay, lucky enough to be in this and stay in this and have the cards that more people now wanted. But I'm going to tell you something. Those that make you can also break you because what's holding that top of that pyramid up with those high prices, it's the fact that there are still people here who are churning, who are flipping, who are making money and starting to try to get their base kaboom into a gold or a green kaboom, their stained glass into a kaboom, into a gold or a green kaboom, and trying to work their way up. But what happens if you, the old man on the top of that pyramid, keeps shouting down below saying, we don't want you here. I, I hung up on Jake. Look what happened. What happens if we say to them that... His phone that, died. He, he's, okay. a, he's another phone type of guy. He'll come back. But what, you get what I'm saying. What happens if the people on the top of that pyramid yell down and they say, hey, we don't want you here. Stop flipping. We don't like your kind. You're a pump and dumper. You know, you're, you, you know what you're doing is not good for the hobby. We should all just be collectors. We, you know, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be doing these. Look what happens. And those people leave, right? Those people leave because they're not welcome here by the collectors. The people on the top, the, 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 the elite, the people who have made can I, money. Can I just caveat that? They, they go somewhere where they feel welcome. Yeah, whether it's sneaker flipping or NFTs or whatever the hell they're going to go to next. It could be freaking Beanie Babies. You know, the HBO just put out a thing about that. It doesn't matter. They're going to chase where the money is. And if the money's not here and they don't feel welcome here, well, you know what's going to happen to LeBron cards? 
You know what's going to happen to those cards when you no longer have that crew of people trying to color up and get them, and now you're just sitting there with collectors like it was in 2014, where there's only 100 people who want 100 cards instead of 10,000 who want those 100 cards? What do you think's going to happen? Those that make you, when they leave, they can also break you. The floor price goes down, and no one's going after those 8, 9, 10 ETH really rare NFTs, right? Uh, did you collect Beanie Babies, Jake? No, you know, I had a couple. It was inevitable in the 90s, but uh, I had some friends who were heavy into it. And, and it was never my cup of tea. I was, I was chasing cards. I have some questions because you did a Q&A. And I mean, some people obviously answer, like got the answers from your YouTube channel, which you guys could go and check out. But here, here's a simple one. There's some funny ones here. But like, and Cage, feel free to, to, to dive into this too. You know, as someone starting a 90s PC project, who do you think is the most underrated collectible star of that era? Mm, boy, you know, I could go a lot of different ways with this. A player that I mentioned earlier that I think definitely deserves a lot more, you know, publicity or whatever you want to call it than he gets is Tim Duncan. Uh, you know, absolute all-time great. You know, his game was relatively boring. You knew what you're going to get from him, you know, call it the Spurs. You know, the Spurs jerseys were, were boring. He never um, called glass. <laughs> you know, that's why I hated him. You know, call glass every once in a while. You're using it enough. The chairman of the boards, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean. The original board cards. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely was. You know, I also think about the commercials that he had with, you know, Edge Shave Gel and him and David Robinson, the Twin Towers and Sprite and all that stuff. And, you know, when he had Nike shoes, they were definitely trying to market him. Uh, they had some fun stuff going on there. Um, I think he just didn't want didn't want the, the you know, the light, the spotlight shown on him. Um, but he's he's a guy that I always think about, you know, is just absolutely incredible. Um, Vince Carter is another one that comes to mind. I mean, Vince Sanity, he was the next Jordan. You know, he... He was going to be bigger than Kobe, all that kind of stuff. He had the shoes. He had the commercials. He had the slam dunk championships. He had a whole um, city behind them, too. He had a whole city behind him, and then a whole city turned on him. <laughs> you know, so, and he's had a, you know, he just retired not very long ago at all. A very long career. Um, so those are two guys I think of from the 90s uh, that also have great cards. Granted, they were towards the tail end of the 90s, drafted in 97 and 98, respectively. Um, you know, so you're not going to have, you know, the, the hot numbers and some of that stuff from earlier in the decade, but, uh, they have some great stuff out there for sure. Can I give one that's undervalued that I think ultimately there might be a, a, a documentary, a movie made about the whole nine yards. And I think it's just Eddie one of those. Jones? Eddie Jones was awesome. And I love Eddie <laughs> Jones and I collected it. I have a stack of Eddie Jones cards, love nothing him. worth anything. Right. But I have a stack of Eddie Jones cards in the mid nineties. I was Eddie Jones and Isaac Bruce. Those were my two. Is, is Eddie Jones the one that did a layup from like four feet away? From yes. The, the finger roll. I've showed the you the finger roll. roll. It's a sick finger yeah. roll. I got, I got Ian pretending that he's, that he's Eddie Jones. You can come in buddy. No, it's a little different. It's, 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 it's more akin to the bad boy. And it's somebody who I think if he was playing now the league and, 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 and people would rally around him more than they did at the time. Check this out. He had Ooh, just built this wow. today. It's a little elf village Lego. He was building this All morning. Day. I, I didn't, I didn't send you this. I didn't send you this link, but I, I wanted to. You guys might be able to Google this. Like uh, the next big investment on Legos. Yeah, I know. Ian, Ian, did you get a, uh, an article? You read an article this morning about somebody made how much money? A hundred. No, I mean. No, a thousand dollars. Twelve hundred fifty dollars flipping Lego. Here, take this out. I'm going to finish this episode. Come back. Oh, you want to see something? It's a what? Construction. So if you lift this up. Oh, it makes waffles. Okay. Check this out. He wants, uh, he knows I'm a fat guy. 
It makes waffle. it's the Lego house makes waffles, so I got a waffle here. A little My daughter's been begging for no, waffles in the morning. There you go, little you waffles. The, you ever see the right, movie Life where Martin Lawrence runs to a house like that to eat the pie? Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I do. I do know that. And he burns so, his whole tongue. My my play. Why? It's because he was more of a bad boy, and at the time was persecuted for it. But he was immensely talented, kind of diamond in the rough, out of Alabama, I believe. Picked late, um, and then played for a bunch of different teams. And and he went through something, obviously, where Jay I think Harris now you're talking about. I think he knows. He definitely knows. It's Latrell Sprewell, right? True. Talent like crazy. But but couldn't you just end up making a movie? I mean, he choked his damn coach. I mean, he went after and like choked uh, PJ Carlissimo. Like he was suspended. It was a whole like thing about him. The whole I think now you know if a player choked a coach. The rest of the league would be like, hell yeah, the coach deserved it. You know what I mean? Like, it would be like, like you know, it's just different. It's a different. It's a different world. So and I loved Spreewell. I was a huge Spreewell collector. I can't believe he fell that that low in the draft. I mean, the well, Knicks took Hubert Davis ahead of him. Was, he ended up on the Knicks when they were going to get for the championship against the Spurs right. and played incredible. You could say that the Knicks had no shot in that series if it weren't for Latrell Sprewell. So what's funny is that the Knicks were an eight seed coming in and going into the finals. And it's one of those things where they, they were better than an eight seed. Allen Houston was injured for most of the year and they came back in the playoffs. Knicks had a good team. They had no shot to win the championship that year. But Sprewell had a, a very good run in, in the postseason. It's just one of those, you know, I take that a different way. A lot of people wouldn't find Tim Duncan and Vince Carter as underrated or unknown players. But let me ask you this, right? Because you're a collector and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this, right? Um, we hear people all the time say, you should be a collector, right? Mm. You should be a collector and, and you know, most people who are collectors in this have still found a way because the money is so much mm. to cash out because people who collect it. And listen, I'm an idiot. I always do the wrong thing. Like I, I, I had UFC cards in 2013, 14, 10, 11, that if I would have just held my collection, if I would have just died and left it to my kids, they'd be millionaires. But I didn't, I sold it out and the whole nine years. I have one of those sad stories, you know? Um, but you've held your collection and people who have held through this, have all had cash windfalls. And mostly it's because, you know, you get a message and somebody says, hey, can you sell me this? Now, like before we started this episode, I said that to you and you're like, well, I tell people I, I don't even know where that is. Talk to me about that because that's a different mentality, right? We, we, we have people on and we've, we've conversed about this with a lot of people that, that the collector mentality is different than the flipper and the investor mentality. But I've argued that the line has been blurred for almost all of mm. them now because the money is where it is. But to hear you say, someone says, hey, will you sell me this? And I'm like, I'm not even going to go look for it. I don't even know where it is. <laughs> like that takes a certain different type of DNA, you know? So, so talk to me about that. Tell me about yeah. being a collector. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so my brother jokes with me that I don't have a collection. I have an assembly, um, you know, because it's I used to when I was a kid and, you know, I'd get home off the bus. I could sit down and organize my cards and I had them organized basically the way that they're listed in the Beckett. Right. And now working two kids, wife, other stuff with family, you know, you don't have as much time. So I get cards in to fill in holes in my PC. I just don't have time to go and sit there and put them, catalog, catalog them. I have a checklist, right, that Coach uh, Jeff helped me put together that I can go and make sure that I'm not getting too many duplicates. I do buy a lot of duplicates because I'm like, I don't think I have this card. And then I finally go and find, oh, look, I have three. Um, <laughs> you know, so in those cases, when I go and find that I've got three of this card, then I'll put one or two of them aside and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, get a stack of duplicates and, you know, maybe I'll look to move these later on. Um, but it's like... I, Sometimes I don't know that I have a duplicate until I go searching for it. And then 
And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, great. So when somebody sees me talking about a car, I might even know that I have a duplicate of it, right? But one of them's in this box and the other one's in this other box, right? Some of my collections at my brother's house, which just lives down the road, some of it's at my house. So for me to find the time to go and look through which box is it in, um, you know, my, my free time is um, in short supply. So I'm not gonna, it's not going to stop me from getting new cards in my collection because I have a general idea of what I need to get. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have it as neatly organized as maybe I'd like at times. And I'm sure right, at some wait. point I'll get there. You just said there are cards I know I need to get. Need Absolutely. to get. Tell me about that. <laughs> is that is that borderline right. obsession? Is it just you have a checklist of Penny Hardaway cards and you just know you know there are cards out there you want to look for? Is the cards you need to get more than just a Penny collection? Is it just that you're mm. obsessed with a Penny? Like, talk to me about that because yeah. you don't often hear somebody say, I need to get that. And I think that that's part of what's hardwired in you as to why you're not selling. When you need to get it, you check it off the list and it goes in a box right. never to be seen again. It's more about like, I have it. It's mine, and no one ever yeah, going to see it precious. again. You know? My friend, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so going back to when I started collecting Penny as a kid, my goal, you know, we all have goals to be, you know, an NBA player and be the MVP and win championships and, you know, be the best ever, right? So my goal was I could be the best Penny collector ever, right? In my town, I was the only person collecting Penny. I didn't have the vision to see outside of my little town and my, you know, five, six friends that collected with me. So that was an attainable goal. And for me and my friends, the way to be the best collector was to have every card of that player, right? So if you're looking at a set, you need to have the base card, you need to have all the parallels, all the inserts of that player. So I consider myself a completionist at heart. There's some one of ones that I'll probably never be able to get. There are probably, you know, those cards like the PMG green that maybe I'll be able to get in my, you know, 80s. Who knows what will happen, right? Um, but that's my goal is to have every card of Penny that was produced of him when he was playing in the NBA with the Magic and a couple of the Suns cards and a couple of the other, but every card that was produced of him with the Magic. Um, so when I say I need the card, it's, you know, okay, it might not be more than a two or $3 card, but I don't have it yet. So I need to go get it. Um, and I might have the more rare version of it, but I don't, you know, maybe there's a base version, there's a low end insert, and then there's a high end insert. I have the high end, I have the base, I need that low end, right? Um, I need to fill in that gap. So that's, and that's part of my collecting goal. And then my other collecting goal, uh, to round out the Mount Everest is to get a example of every single insert set from the 90s so if penny's not in it i want to get one of my other side pc guys and if one of those guys aren't in it i just want to find one of them to have an example and basically so who's the gomada who's the gomada collection <laughs> who's the side piece who's who's the friday night saturday night like who, who's not penny who you cheating on penny with yeah so it goes uh and i made a pyramid the other day uh <laughs> in, in, to to kind of spell it out so it goes penny penny with the magic first and <laughs> foremost penny with the suns or any other team is is below that um iverson Nice. Only with the Sixers, KG, only with the Timberwolves, and then after those guys, if I have to go beyond that, I've got Vince Carter, Michael Finley, uh, <laughs> Lamar Odom, Baron oh. Davis. So, do you know what I'm getting from your collection? That when you hooped in the '90s, you wore your shorts mid calf. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, because everyone in your collection were these, those were the big baggy, like, capri pants shorts. Everybody in your true. collection was that. That's, that's funny, man. It's true. Actually, my, my playing days in the AAU, I like to get on people's nerves. So what I would do, everybody wore the big baggy shorts, you're right. But I would take mine, I'd have my spandex underneath, and I'd hike my pants up as, as high as possible. And people would get really uncomfortable, and, you know, I, I would win that defensive matchup. So, you know, I played a little... A little sketchy. <laughs> Dude, Michael Finley's good. People don't realize Michael Finley, he's now like director of operations, I think, for the Mavs. Uh, Cuban kind of takes care of his own. The guy averaged 42, I think, point uh, minutes per game. He was a beast. Uh, and he, he was really good. People don't even bring that name up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have a question for you. Uh, again, from Akeem's dream. Before you do, before you do that, guys, what he did here. You have another question. Think, of, no, think about that for a second. No, I, I just want to drive it home. Right, you can go out and flip. Right, you can still be an investor in this, but there is some fun to be had here. I remember going twenty twenty two with some fun. Have some fun in the hobby. It doesn't have to be penny. It doesn't have to be someone who's expensive. Find somebody you like now. You know, find somebody you are watching now. What you may be a Nets fan and love Patty Mills this year, right? You can add some fun to your collection. When you go to shows, sure, you can do your flipping, but maybe find some Patty Mills cards if that's going to be your guy. You know, find a rookie from this year or last year who, who you think is going to play and plays to your style. Who the heck knows? Franz Wagner, you know, who's looking pretty good. Whoever it's going to be. But that adds a layer of fun when you're at a show. Do your flipping, do your stuff, the whole deal. But then also go around the shows and take a look and find something for your own collection, right? Find some enjoyment in it. Find your Michael Finley who was awesome and collect his cards and, and be somebody who's, you know, looking for, you don't have to get every Michael Finley card that's out there, but it adds a layer of, of fun and a collector mentality to what we're doing. And I think it'll probably keep you in this and you'll meet other people who are collecting this stuff. You'll have trades with them. And maybe those trades of your Michael Finley group might lead to a, a, another card of your main piece. Anyway, it's just, it's something I don't want people to miss. Shoot. I want to also add something that just came to my mind. 90s and maybe early 2000s was like the era of the two guard, right? The true two guard. We're entering into the era, probably actually there, of the one guard, the the point guard, the scoring point guard, right? Because these guys, Finley, Kobe, I mean, all these guys were two guards that played off the ball. Uh, And now we're very much in that ball dominant, the Luka, the Steph, the Hardens. They bring the ball up the court and they run the offense. Let's talk about the Kobe market. If that's okay mm. with you. So Akeem's dream asked, you know, where do you see the Kobe market going in the next six to 12 months? And if I could add something, there's probably three Kobe markets, maybe more. There's his Kobe autos. There's the Kobe rookie cards. But then there's also the Kobe that kind of like uh, patch autos and higher end inserts and all that stuff. So curious your take. I, I want to hear Cage's take as well. Yeah. So, so I think uh, my answer to that question was, uh, a little a little you know a little feisty uh because i was like you know who the heck knows right you know my crystal ball's broken is is the the joke my dad used to always say um so uh you know who knows what's going to happen in the next six to twelve months but the thing that i can say and i love to tell stories so so cut me off whenever uh, i'm getting too long-winded but before New Year's Kobe's Eve, tragic, we got time. <laughs> it's true it's true my wife is probably going to be like hey let's pop some bubbly but uh you know she's waiting for me so uh Anyway, uh, before Kobe's tragic passing, his market was an interesting market. And not necessarily interesting in like, uh, oh, hey, there's potential here. 
it was one of those that like the Kobe fans were really passionate about Kobe and they'd be, they'd have that underdog mentality. You know, they really had that same mentality that Kobe had when he played, um, you know, fierce competitor. Um, but they'd always be like, look, Kobe's just as good as LeBron and Jordan. You know, there'd be a lot of those arguments and people just be like, yeah, okay, buddy, you uh, go sit in a corner somewhere and tell yourself that right after he passed and people started to look at his legacy and look at his body of work, there started to be a little bit more appreciation, which happens to greats. We were talking about Kurt Cobain earlier, uh, you know, when they pass before their time, uh, you know, people start to look at them and, and remember the good times a little bit more. So then when people have lived a long and full life, um, so we saw the incredible run up of his cards, you know, some people were trying to, you know, capture the enthusiasm or whatever you want to call it around his death and his, you know, his tops base rookie card went from $10 to $200 in like 48 hours. Right. Um, and some people didn't like seeing that some people had some opinions, but then it settled back down. Right. Then COVID happened and people started looking at their old collections and people started remembering Kobe again, you know, and all that came back. Um, and Kobe cards went on, the same heater that most of the other really big players went on. Um, and, you know, I'm really thinking specifically about his cards in the nineties and his rookies. So like, I have a few, not a ton um, that I decided at that point, Hey, this is a good time to go and get those graded. Um, some of them graded really well. Some of them didn't, um, you know, some of them I used and I traded to get PC cards. I've got, I've got a really nice penny card here that I got. I never thought I'd be able to get my collection because one of my Kobe cards graded a 10. I was able to trade it for that penny card and, you know, we were both happy. Um, but it's, it's kind of settled down a little bit now. And I, I wonder if people are, are kind of, okay, let's, let's, you know, lower expectations and realize, you know, he's not Jordan. So let's not get overly enthusiastic. Or is it that people are distracted by the current season and they're looking at, you know, the, the players who are playing really well, people are really excited about Steph. I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens this summer with players like Kobe um, and, and their cards. I think that'll really tell a, a, a story of, of how that all plays out. Because, I mean, if we think back to the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of people got into the hobby. A lot of us that had been collecting for a while said, wait until you see a regular cycle. Wait until you see the holiday dip, right? It's something that we'd seen year over year over year. People sell cards to pay for Christmas presents. And then in January, when those bills come in, they sell more cards to pay those bills. Right. And then off season dips and stuff like that. We didn't have that cycle. We had COVID shut everything down. And then we had things are ramping back up and we had the last dance and then we had really no off season. Um, So now we're getting back into that regular cycle. So I'll be interested to see after the season's over um, how some of those, you know, all time greats are seen. I can tell you what I'm looking forward to. I'm Come looking on. forward to what the market looks like for Kobe, for a lot of people, um, when you finally stop getting back the bulk subs. Mm. Because a lot of this is running on money. A lot of this is running on people who didn't have money getting money. And a lot of that is people who are getting back their PSA bulk subs, and all of a sudden they could just sell them, get whatever they can for it. It used to be a lot more. You know, somebody getting back a, a bunch of Tyler Heroes and getting thousands upon thousands of dollars, and boom! You know, like you, you know, you can now you can buy a card, and that would cause those Kobe's to go up. It would cause those Lebrons to go up in the whole nine yards. I I believe just as the flippers on the bottom were there, that grading was part of feeding that cash in mm-hmm. there, 
And I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, it's like, let's get back to a normal cycle. Um, I'm curious to see what happens when that feeder isn't there anymore. Do people leave? Do people stay? Does it cause a little bit of a dip? Have we already seen that dip in a lot of the cards? And, and now we're, you know, you take that big blip out and, you know, we're now we're more steady. Um, it's hey, that was me. Remember, I mean, my it's, two it's big probably 80% were... of people who are listening. Yeah, my big two flips were Zion when he wasn't playing, uh, in January of 2020, and it was Kobe rookies. I, I made I made a ton of co- uh, off like the, the base, the tops version, and the Fleer. The it's not even called Fleer, they call it the Ultra 52, but it's Fleer Ultra. Mm-hmm. Those are my two big flips, and now I own a Kobe auto, now I own some of the nicer cards. And a, I was able to color up because I saw that the the tops base was just a very high pop card. You know, mm-hmm. people people couldn't believe that that card went from ten dollars to at some points people were paying upwards of eight hundred dollars for a clean copy. And then some friends that I met, they were like taking out their uncut sheets, right? Remember those like the tops mm-hmm. paper uncut sheets? He's like, I'm, I, I have, I didn't even realize I had all these in the basement. So. I am interested to see what will happen. I kind of, if we're just talking about the Topps base card or any of, or even the the Jordan Fleer, which is just in a different category. I love the scarcity. And this, we talked with Cage about this. It's not true scarcity. It's great scarcity mm-hmm. of like BGS 10s, right? Of those cards, there's a lot of PSA 10s of his rookie, but there's not a lot of BGS 10s. And I'm not a BGS guy at all. You guys know that. Of like that, that tops paper to me just feels cool, like a tops paper black label. I don't know that it's kind of like this pseudo scarcity. Am I on yeah. something that's stupid? I I so I'm a uh, I'll hold the water for Beckett. I I'm a big Beckett guy. I mean that that penny card that I was telling you about, I've got it right here. It doesn't show it. Shows it's a it's a BGS ten, and that was part of why I really loved it. This card's numbered to twenty five, but there's only one BGS ten. I mean. Any pop count on a card that's number to 25 is probably going to be really What good. is it? A little bit of glare there. I couldn't even tell yeah, what it was. Yeah, it is a little bit of glare, I know. So this is the 99-2000 Top Stadium Club Chrome First Day Issue Refractor. Yes, I know it's a mouthful. So Top Stadium Club Chrome, they only made the Chrome set for basketball one year. 99-2000 was the only year. Jordan was out of the league. Kobe was really the one running that, that show at that point in time. Um and they had the first day issue refractor, or they had the first day issue parallels, which were numbered to 100. They had the refractor parallels, which were basically one or two per box. And then you had the first day issue that was also a refractor. Those were numbered to 25. So when I was a kid, my dad got me a Rod Strickland. I thought it was really cool, only 25 of them. I've got to get the penny. I've never been able to get the penny until I got that Kobe graded and it was a 10. And now I, can, now I have the firepower to trade. What Kobe so. did you get graded? Fleer metal, the Fleer metal. And nice. it's one that I had since I was a kid. It's been, you know, hanging around in a top loader and it ended up grading a 10, which I was blown away by. That's so Penny grade. Penny has a Stadium Club Chrome not numbered the year before. In Stadium Club, they were, they inserted Chrome cards in the packs. There wasn't a standalone set. So it was a preview set. And, and Penny wasn't in the preview set in 98, 99. Oh! Iverson was. Yes, Iverson was. I have that yeah. card. Yeah, so I've got and the then, Iverson. In the box, they also did Bowman's best previews inside those as well, right? I think yeah. I got a shack. I opened a box yeah. of that at a card show with with Ian. All the cards were stuck together. We're getting like the Chauncey <laughs> Billups cards that are like the foil comes gotta, off the card. Yeah, yeah. got to love that high gloss finish, right? Can I ask you guys something? So, so like someone like me, uh, Jake, how old are you? 
out of curiosity. So I, uh, 34. 35? 35? Uh, I mean, we're same age, but clearly, I mean, you have pedigree in the hobby that I don't have. I feel like there's such a leg up on the competition, knowing where the cards came from, specifically like the packs, right? Like you mentioned earlier, like uh, this came out of a Kaboom pack versus this was a case hit. Like there's, there feels like a leg up and you can only get that through experience of like collecting year over year over year, ripping packs that, that like new collectors just there. You can't read that anywhere. Well, so you can. It's not easy to get, but if every year Beckett makes a collector's Beckett, it's pretty thick. Um, and that has all the pack odds. It has some other information. This year's they they cut down some of the information. But so when I was a kid, I would pour over the Becketts and look at pack odds and see what's one in thirty six, what's one in forty eight, what's one in twelve. Why is this one one in twenty four and it's worth more than this one that's one in ninety six? All that stuff. I you know a real card nerd. Um, so today if people want to and i don't think panini has most of their odds in there it's a little bit more difficult for some of those modern cards because yep. you've got a lot of really rare really low numbered jersey numbered you know all that kind of stuff but you can go and grab a collector's becket uh, i think they sell them online and um and and pour over that and get get the that type of information you know and i think that there is definitely value in it because as people learn that stuff they look and see, oh, look, this 97 upper deck game dated was one in 1,500 packs. It was almost as rare as a jersey card, but it's worth a fraction of, of the amount. So, Some of those stadium club ones are, are some of those late 90s, the first numbered cards, like that 97, 98 stadium. But they, they have cards numbered to 100. Right. Um, they're not the first day issue, but like you know, they're like the chromey ones. I forgot who the hell we I – mean, I might have got a Rod Strickland also, believe it or not, in the box we opened. Yeah, it was the, it was um, the one of a kind. Yeah, one of a kind. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And there's a cool one with the Bulls team. Yes, the one checklist. With the, with checklist one oh, with the Bulls team from that, that year. Um, but people don't realize, first day, Stadium Club first day, that was not numbered. That came out, what was the first one that did that? Was it 92, 93 Finest? 93, 94. And and that so was, 93 Finest had the refractors. 1994 yes. Stadium Club had Stadium the Club, issues. exactly. Yeah. So you're, And it was this, it was this weird square. Yep. It was like a holographic square that just said first day. And the point of it, Andrew, these were like these were the first times of trying to come up with like parallels, right? The point of it was Stadium Club were had people a people freaking out. People no, it was it out? was really sought after. It was really but, mm -hmm. but the problem with it was you never knew how many there were. The thought was that they put this little first day indicator on the card that was made the first day they ran the cards. And then they, the printing presses were on for the first day. Anyone that was in the first day had this on it. Right, so you didn't know it was a hundred, a thousand, a million. You had no friggin' clue, right? And then things second, third, they didn't have that on it. Then in later years, ninety three, ninety four, it was just a gold foil that had a one st on the card, right? It wasn't as cool looking. Um, and there were there were so many different versions, man. So many different versions. Like ninety three, ninety four, that that Stadium Club. If you like that one for Penny, there's probably an odd Penny that's a Super Team Penny from that year. Uh, yeah, do you have that one? So the so. 93, 94, uh, so you had the first day issues, and there was a Series 1 and a Series 2. Mm -hmm. You had the NBA Finals, uh, which later, I think in 95, 96, is what turned into the Super Teams. So, so the, it was those. Super Team was NBA Finals, so Super Team yeah. was the one where if you had the Houston Rockets team card, you sent it in, and you got a whole set that was engraved gold NBA Finals on the card. You have the pennies yeah. on that? Because if you don't, I have this too, I think. There are, the, yeah, the first and second first series, yeah. Yeah, so I have both if you need them. 
I got him. I got him. I <laughs> nice. That's awesome. awesome. I kept the Weber, the Penny. I kept a couple of those. So, do you guys know why they didn't do any patches back then? Like, was that just like the technology wasn't there? I don't think they had the technology to really figure out how to insert that into the material into the card. You know, okay, how do we take two pieces? That's my assumption, though. We probably have to ask somebody that you know worked at Upper Deck when they started doing it in '97 why they started it then. I think they had to, right? Probably but the, the the early '90s card rush had ended. In '96, they came out with Chrome as yep. like a cool way to start selling stuff again. Then the patches were like a. I'm sure the tech was part of it, but they didn't have to. Think of how many cards were being sold in the early '90s. Oh yeah. It was insane. It was a card rush. Um, yeah. It really was. So Just hitting a star in a 92 pack. I remember my brother was a big Alonzo Morning fan. And ripping it through and pulling an Adam Keefe rookie. Todd Day rookies weren't getting him too excited. But Todd Day, pick, pick number 8 for I think the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. Adam Keefe, pick number 11 for the Atlanta Hawks. Sounds right. Sounds right. <laughs> you know what? I put together the Skybox Gold Draft Pick set with a little gold box. Oh yeah! So that, I put that whole set together once, and that 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 allowed me to remember who was drafted when. And I love them. those sets. That penny was a big chase card for me as a kid. Can I penny. ask you just a, uh, current day basketball, Jake? Interests you too much ISO ball? Where do you stand on just like really open ended current day basketball, the game, and then current day modern NBA investing? Yeah, you know, so it's funny. It's not uncommon that, uh, you know, I'm putting the kids to bed um, because both my kids are are a daddy's boy and daddy's girl right now. We'll see what happens. Uh, And my wife will be downstairs. You know, I'll have to tell her to keep it down because she's yelling at the screen because Steph did something or, you know, whatever. (laughs) So my wife is a Is she from the Bay? No. So she she is from Ghana originally uh, and came here in the early 2000s. I can't remember the exact year. Asimoa Gion and Mikalesian, two of my favorite soccer players. Really? Okay. Yeah, so I was talking to uh, uh, Lefko about Pops Mensabonsu, who he knows because uh, his wife is Nigerian. Uh, so so some, some correlation there. Um, but, yeah, so she came over and Kobe and the Lakers were, were it. So she's a Lakers fan. But started really loving watching Steph when he was with Davidson. So she's a big Steph fan. So we watched – as many Warriors fan, Warriors games as we can. So I was asking her, what happens if the Lakers and Warriors play in the finals? And she was like, let's not talk about it. So <laughs> the play-in game last year, she was torn. Uh, and she was like, just just tell me what the end result is. I don't want to watch. Um, but yeah, so so she watches a lot of... Uh, she watches just as much, if not more, basketball than I do right now. Um, and I enjoy it. Um, but, you know, it's not the same way that I enjoyed playing as a kid. I, I loved watching, you know, the physicality of basketball in the nineties. Um, with that being said, when you get into the fourth quarter, I don't think there's anything more exciting than basketball is right now. You know, that fourth quarter, it doesn't matter what the game is. If it's a 10 point game, you know, that can change in a heartbeat. Um, and that wasn't the case in the nineties. You know, you, you heard about Reggie Miller, putting up all those points against the Knicks in nine seconds. Right. But that was like almost mythical. Uh, now it's like, you could see Steph Curry putting up 12 points in three seconds. No problem. Uh, if, if there's a certain, you know, couple of events happen in the right way. So um, it's extraordinarily exciting. I love watching it, um, but maybe not as much just because of, of, you know, the style that I played and enjoyed as a kid cards wise. I mean, because of my wife, I love getting Steph cards, you know, when I can, I enjoyed immensely grabbing them while he was injured and people were like, Oh, who's this guy? I don't care about him. Um, that was a lot more fun than trying to get his cards now. 
Um, you know, so Steph cards, uh, you know, I'll always hold on to LeBron and Giannis and, and pretty much any rookie that I pull, I'm going to hold on to because you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, it might be the next bowl bowl. You don't know. So, uh, That's right. you got know, you to invest in the bowl bowl. Against the state on that same kind of narrative, are you looking at Wiseman? He, he should have played for your favorite guy, you know, at Memphis. Injured, he's coming back. Is Wiseman someone to look at? I love Wiseman. Uh, I, I remember talking to my wife about Wiseman, and I was like, the Warriors have a chance to get Wiseman. He fits their squad really well. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited to see him come back and see what he can do. Uh, I mean, Looney's been great, but Looney's a role player. Um, right. Wiseman can be an X factor for that team. I mean, when Wiseman's healthy and Clay's back, that, that team's already scary. I was talking about who's, it with... Who's uh, going to stop Wiseman down low when they have to chase Curry and Clay right. around the perimeter? Right, and you still get Dre, you know? Yeah. I was talking to uh, Rob, sports uh, sports card therapist, about this before the season, and he was asking for my, my finals pick, and I, I picked the Warriors. I was like, it's a little bit of a hot take, I think, but um, right now I'm, I'm looking like a genius. I should have put some Vegas money on that, but I didn't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think... I want to get some Wiseman rookie cards because I like him because of all those same reasons you just mentioned. Um, but I don't know if he's going to necessarily be a good, you know, a good player for value down the road. He's a big man. So those guys, it can be rough. Um, and he's, he's in the shadow of all those great players we just mentioned on his team. So even if they win, it's not going to be his doing uh, solely. So um, I think he could be a really great player though. I mean, a lot of people comped him to David Robinson, you know, going back to that, He's not nearly as big of a body as Robinson was, um, but he, man, he is an athletic guy that can, you know, really be exciting. Well, it's interesting. He's 20 years old. Like you kind of don't, you know what I mean? Like you're, if you have the frame, you could be as skinny or as big as you want in today's day and age. You kind of have all the tools there. So, uh, and, yeah, and look at Dwight when he came into the league, scrawny. And uh, I mean, the Warriors are one of the best teams at developing talent, too. You mean they're up there with uh, the Raptors? So, dude, an hour fifteen. I mean, I we will definitely have you back on. Uh, I'm very much excited for 2022. Uh, Jay, can you tell people? Most people already follow you, but can you tell people where they could find you? For sure. So, uh, you know, I am very active on Instagram. I put out. I try to do one episode a week on YouTube. Uh, so, 90s underscore b ball underscore cards. You know, you can pretty much type in 90s b-ball cards and i should pop up um instagram and youtube are where i'm most active i'm on twitter and tiktok i joke about being on there a little bit as well um i'm on facebook as well but my page on facebook i messed up and i don't know how to fix it because i'm kind of an old man and it's 90 b-ball cards uh so there's no s there so if you're looking for me and you're like hey i can't find you that's probably why but i'm also not and if you know how to change to that for him and you're like a 20-year-old Facebook guru, please also reach <laughs> out and, and, and let lend me, a hand. And let, while you're putting out some plugs for me, if you know, if anybody's watching this, there are two things I could really use for talent, right? So I'm trying to work on an app. I need an app developer. I've got all the other pieces. Um, and it's a sports-related app. It's not cards. I'm not trying to compete with any of the big guys that are in the space. Don't worry. But it's still sports-related. And the right. other thing is, one of the one of the things that holds me back from making more content is editing and the time that it takes to edit my video. So if somebody would like to help me edit videos um, and take that off of my plate so I could maybe produce more, um, 
those would be two things that would be really, really And helpful. guys, you have to have a little moral flexibility because he wants you to build an app that tracks Penny Hardaway's whereabouts. <laughs> so as long as you're okay with doing that, then you reach out to him. You know, where is Penny? He's always, he's always in Memphis. <laughs> Ironic story to that, though. I found Penny, what I thought was Penny's email address back in you know, the early days of email. And I emailed him because our birthdays are one day apart. So I'm a little kid. And I say, hey, you know what? I've got his email. I said, I would love to spend my birthday with you and I'll come out. Right. He was playing in Phoenix at that point. I saw him on MTV Cribs and I'm like, you've got a great looking house. I'd love to see it. Right. You're very <laughs> handsome. Sign, sign your biggest fan. This is right. Stan. Exactly. <laughs> For some reason, I never got a response. I don't know why. Um, you know, so if Penny's watching this and you'd like to hang out for, uh, for one of our birthdays, uh, let's do it. I've been trying since I was 12. So. <laughs> sign your biggest fan. This is right. that, that might have been the best thing I've heard all, all, all year at least. <laughs> Jay, Jay, um, happy new year from, from all of our year. fans i know we have a few editors that are listening so please 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 reach out this is one of the, the good guys in the hobby so you know you're, you're doing a service you're doing a service to us 2022 is going to be big we're going to see each other at shows we're going to interact we'll probably have you on again uh Love i just want to say thank you uh thank you for coming on it, it was, a, Thanks, it was a pleasure man Thank Appreciate you, guys. it, man. Thanks Pleasure for your time. Online. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.